0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Vox Tablet. It's me, Sarah Ivory. I'm your host. Today, ancient Roman Jewish melodies in a modern register. If you're a devoted and longtime listener of our podcast, we hope you are that, you will remember a conversation we had way back in 2007 with musician Dan Kaufman about his song cycle based on the poetry of Paul Ceylon, The music was played by Kaufman's band Barbez, and the music is haunting and beautiful, but it's hard to describe. It draws on everything from jazz to Ethiopian pop to psychedelic surf music. Well, now we're very pleased to introduce you to Dan's latest project with the band. It's a new album, again it's a song cycle, and it draws on ancient Roman Jewish liturgical melodies. The music also invokes the Italian resistance of World War II. As with the previous project, this one has its share of theremin, vibraphone, and poetic recitation. The album is called Bella Chow, and we're very pleased today to have Dan Kaufman in the studio with us to talk about it. Dan, welcome back to Vox Tablet.
1: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
0: So why Roman Jewish liturgical music? How did you first encounter it, and what drew you to it?
1: Well, I was on a residency in 2009 at the McDowell Colony, working on a completely different album. Um, At McDowell, I met a wonderful composer who I think has been on um, your show uh, named Yotam Haber, and he got commissioned while actually on residency to write the score for a documentary about the Roman Jews. He had been to uh, rome on the he had won the rome prize and his project was about the roman jewish music so he asked me to record these melodies on my electric guitar in my studio at mcdowell and he was going to incorporate them into his score and which i did and in the process of doing so i fell in love with them um they're very strange and singular um I'm not sure if the listeners know, but the Roman Jewish community is unique. It's the oldest Jewish community in Europe. It predates the diaspora. It was There have been Jews there since probably the 2nd century uh, B.C. before the destruction of the temple. Um, and they've always had a strong relationship between Jerusalem and Rome, and they were coming and going back and forth. And their music was passed along orally, um, obviously, there's changes. It's never pure, but um, after the Holocaust, um, there was an Italian ethnomusicologist named Leo Levy, who recorded a lot of these elderly Roman Jews. He recorded many Italian uh, rites, but among them, probably about 20, among them were the Roman Jewish rites, and th- in this way... These melodies were preserved. They were also transcribed by scholars, including uh, a man named Elio Piatelli. Um, And Yotam had a book of these transcriptions, Piatelli's book. And so we used that. And that's how I first encountered them.
0: Before we listen to one of your interpretations of this music, let's listen to a more traditional version. You brought a sample of one of these songs, uh, and it's sung, in fact, by Leo Levy.
1: No, it's not sung. It was recorded by him. Um, it's sung by I don't know whom. These are field recordings, like um, in the style of Alan Lomax or something. And these are housed in a library in Rome, uh, the Academia Nazionale de Santa Cecilia. And there's hundreds of levy recordings there.
0: And the song is called Yoshav Beseter elion
1: Yes. Numero otto. I beseder the yon, who is the one who is the one What does
0: it actually mean, do you know? It is
1: part of the funeral rites. Um, It's a prayer of remembrance. In Jewish tradition, a lot of the um, focus on the funeral is about the person in memory And, uh, you know, it fit into my narrative, but I wasn't too literal. Mostly what I saw in the melodies that I chose was a musical feeling, and um, I liked that piece very much, and um, I thought it would have a vaguely cinematic feeling reimagined for my band. We changed the melodies a lot, too. They're not literal, as you can tell.
0: Well, let's listen to your interpretation of that song. So you spent time in Rome studying the source music. How long were you there, and what exactly did your study entail?
1: Not enough time. Um, certainly <laughs> never enough not. To, time in yeah, Rome. <laughs> there's never enough time. I was there for about ten days, I think. Um, basically, I wanted to. Um, Hear the Levy recordings, and they're housed at this academic library, as I mentioned. Yotam had some of them, and I heard some of them, but I felt like it was important to go to Rome and see. I was also fascinated, always have been, with the uh, period in Italian history of the war and especially the Italian neorealism in cinema. And when I went to Rome to research the melodies, I quickly fell under that spell. Uh, I was always struck with the resistance period, and especially Rossellini's film, Open City. And there were some sort of real-life touchstones of that time still extant in Rome, one of which is this street, which I talk about in the liner notes to the album called Via Rossella. And on that street, there was a famous partisan action in 1944. After Mussolini fell, the Nazis occupied Rome, um... And the Jews were rounded up in October of 1943 on Sabbath morning, October 16th. A thousand of them roughly were sent to Auschwitz. Only 16 survived from that deportation. Several months later, a group of partisans um, actually attacked a column of marching SS officers on the anniversary of the birth of Italian fascism and they killed uh, 33 German soldiers, and um, it was probably one of the most daring and um, remarkable partisan actions in Nazi-occupied Europe, and on that street, there's still one building that remains that's bullet-ridden from the aftermath of the bombing. They left it that way intentionally. All the other buildings have been cleaned up. In fact, I think the owner had wanted to clean it up, but he was forbidden to. Um, So it's very powerful, Um, and I thought about The history of the jews in rome but not just the jews because after that partisan action the nazis rounded up um, they wanted to kill 10 italians for each german that had died and they gathered up just basically innocent people butchers um, delivery people italian men and teenage boys including more than 70 roman jews people that had nothing to do with the attack and they went to these caves where these christian martyrs had been buried a long time ago and they shot them 335 italian teenage boys and men in these caves um eventually they blew the entrances to the cave shut but the smell permeated and a shepherd uh, discovered it soon after and um, I was fascinated by that bombing and its aftermath and um, the resistance and how daring it was. I've always felt that it has a universal message.
0: What can you tell us about the Jewish community in Rome now?
1: It's interesting. I didn't have much relation to it, and it's been um, there's been a lot of waves of Sephardi immigration. Um, these melodies, if you went to Rome, are not sung in the... Um, the Central Synagogue. The ghetto in Rome was established in like 1555 by a papal bull until 1870. They, the Jews lived there. They were at times locked in at night. Um, they were freed in 1870, along with a lot of changes in Italy, the Risorgimento, and so on. But um, in 1904, the Central Synagogue was built. And in that process, a lot of these liturgical songs were lost. They basically modernized it, wove together Ashkenazi, Sephardi, and the Italian rites into a kind of something that wasn't unique in the way that these melodies are. Fortunately, Leo Levy recorded them as well as there were scholars transcribing them, so they were saved in that way, but they're not really sung by if you went to Rome, you wouldn't hear these melodies. Um, so that was also interesting to me, and I always, I've always have a fascination with lost cultures, and in a way, the history is still there. But the Roman Jewish community now is many different strands of interwoven immigration and so on.
0: In the title track "Bella Ciao," the music there is. Uh based on a composition that some people might know. It's become an anthem for protest movements throughout Europe and in the Middle East and Latin America. Give us a little bit of background on this song.
1: This song is actually... The melody is apparently from an Italian rice worker's melody, and the lyrics were written anonymously. No one knows the author during the Second World War. It's become international symbol of protest. It's probably the most famous... Artifact of the Italian resistance. Um, basically, the song talks about a person's wish to um, fight for freedom um, and die if need be in order so that others might one day be free. Um, and it's a really strong and powerful song. In Europe, it's really ex- widely known as this symbol of resistance. It's less known in the States, but I felt like... Um, certain things in terms of occupy wall street and other threads were going on in my subconscious and i and i wanted to um i feel like it's just such a a powerful song and i think the the theme of the resistance is not limited to that time um although it was a unique set of historical circumstances and in that spirit i thought well let's do bella Ciao, because it encompasses that and we put a roman jewish melody at the End of the piece, and I wrote the beginning from scratch, but the middle part, the main part, is um, the traditional melody for Bella Chow, So
0: Let's hear it. <laughs> I love that. That's great.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Now, the last song on this album is short, and it's a very spare duet between a violin and piano. And it kind of sounds a little bit like a question, maybe about the fate of Rome's Jews or the music that they've passed down to us, or maybe something having to do with resistance. What sort of questions were you left with working on this project?
1: Um, I like what you said and I think the last piece is meant to be ambiguous um, in fact the partisan action in Italy has come under some controversy some people blame the partisans for attacking the Nazis and that they um, opened up this possibility then that the Nazis would retaliate and I guess um, that last piece, I don't think it was any, in any way consciously related to that. But in trying to make an album to honor the resistance, you're always left with the idea that a lot of times movements to make the world a better place don't succeed. But um, somehow I just wanted to put out there in the world the value of trying. In terms of the Roman Jews and maybe that last piece, there was a kind of sad reality. And I guess I'm always interested in sad songs. Those are the songs that I write mostly. And what happened was mostly the Roman Jews survived, but out of the ones that were deported, virtually none of them did. And also it was an homage to those Italians that were killed in those caves and I think I just wanted to end on a note that was a bit meditative or something like that because while the resistance was a beautiful and glorious thing there was so much tragedy involved in that time so
0: let's go out with one more song uh how about the seventh track it's called Keter Itenu and before we listen I wonder if there's anything that we should know about it
1: no, I just like the way this song came out in the studio. I want to put in a word for my um, soulmate producer engineer Martin BC, um, and it just I just love the way that this one um, came together um, for us. So.
0: What did you love about it? Oh,
1: um, just musically, like you know, it's funny. I um, I've been obsessed with the Beach Boys Pet Sounds for many years, and we were trying. You know, it's a large ensemble and um in sub subconscious way i was maybe thinking about that album and this one just came together in a kind of like orchestral sense it just sounded full and rich to me and the way the parts interwove it just came out in a way that sounded really rich and full to me
0: Dan Kaufman, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Dan Kaufman is the leader and guitarist of the band Barbez, which also includes Pamela Kirsten on theremin, Danny Tunick on vibraphone, Peter Hess on clarinet, and Catherine McRae on violin. Fiona Templeton speaks on the album, and Don McCarthy sings. The new album is called Bella Chow. It's out now on John Zorn's Sadic label. And if you want to see them perform live and you're in New York City, you can do so on September 18th at Le Poisson Rouge. You can find out more about this show and about the album on our website, tabletmag.com. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. Thank you so much for joining us.